Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Monday afternoon with you. What a weekend again. I feel like it's rinse and repeat on Monday when we say what a weekend. But what a weekend in the college football world. This is Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, we're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the Sportsbook at Timeout Lounge. You can visit them online at pearlriverresort.com. That's pearlriverresort.com. Keep up with everything that is happening uh, at the Sportsbook, at the Golden Moon, at the Silver Star, and, of course, the Dancing Rabbit, all at PearlRiverResort.com. You can be a part of the conversation on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Check them out online at cspire.com to find the latest deals available to you. Boys, what a weekend we had. We're going to blitz in just a second, but give me a quick thought, like a 30-second or less thought on the weekend we just had. Winning is fun. I'll keep yes. it under 30 seconds. Winning is fun. Really fun. I'm fired up today, man. I mean, an incredibly interesting and fascinating football game to get us started. And then just a, I can't say the word. I'm not, I, I, the FCC controls this. A butt kicking yeah. to follow. I would love to know the cost of rosters between Texas A&M and Mississippi State. Would love to know that breakdown. Brian DeHate had 30 seconds or less. All hat. No cattle. Ooh! Coming strong. That was decidedly under 30 seconds. It's Monday. Let's blitz. All over the place. Let's start on the West Coast. Did you expect UCLA to be 5-0? and They hadn't been all that impressive so far. They were at the Rose Bowl at home. Dorian Thompson-Robinson had a big day, and they knocked off number 15, Washington. The Huskies handing them their first loss of the year. Eight-point win for Chip Kelly's ball club. That was a good win for UCLA. Purdue. Minnesota. Minnesota in control of the Big Ten West. They were undefeated. Purdue came into this game 2-2 two and two and just so-so on the year, and yet it was Purdue that knocked off number 21, Minnesota. Final score, 20-10. to 10. 
Did you have Illinois at 4-1 and one through five games this year? Burt Bielema and the Fighting Illini go to Madison, Wisconsin, and they deliver a 24-point beatdown of the Badges. 34-10 the final, and you know what it cost Wisconsin? Their head coach, Paul Christ, latest coach to be fired. Seems like we're getting one high-profile firing every week as this season goes along. To Fort Worth, Texas we go. Last week, Oklahoma slipped and fell for the first time this season. Well, apparently they were still on the ground, and TCU just tried to decided to stomp on their face. 55-24, TCU over Oklahoma, Michael Borky. You say this gave us the best tweet of the weekend. It did, yeah, because the cut-ins kept happening. Shout out Aaron Judge. He sucks if you're only a college football fan. Um, (laughs) They said, who gets to 62 first, us or Aaron Judge? Wow. Neither. Neither this weekend, but TCU got close 55-24 over OU. Kansas State, they continue to play well. Absent that home loss to Tulane a couple of weeks ago at home against Texas Tech, 37-28. And uh, Adrian Martinez, pretty good college quarterback, especially when he's not wearing a Nebraska uniform. Utah, since slipping in Gainesville in the season opener, has ripped off four in a row. Cam Rising, still good. Three touchdown passes in a 42-16 route over a pretty good Oregon State team. To the ACC we go. Let's head to Tallahassee. Wake Forest coming off the home, heartbreaking loss to Clemson. Florida State riding high up to number 23 in the country after a 4-0 start. They are undefeated no more. Wake Forest 31-21 over FSU. Dave Clawson's team bounced back in a big way. Big matchup in the Big 12. Number 9, Oklahoma State. Number 16, Baylor. Mike Gundy's team rolled in undefeated. They stayed that way, 36-25, despite 22 third-quarter points from Baylor. 36-25, the win for Oklahoma State. Borky two weeks ago was lobbying hard for Kansas to get college game day. They did not get college game day when they hosted Duke. They've got college game day this coming week after a 5-0 start to the season. A lovely 14-11 win over Iowa State. Locked a game-tying field goal. 14-11. Kansas into the top 25 for the first time since 2009. Maryland and Michigan State. How big is the buyer's remorse in East Lansing over that massive contract for Mel Tucker? <laughs> Maryland to Leah Tonga-Vailoa leads the Terps over Michigan State 27-13. They shut out Sparty in the second half in College Park. Wild game in Fayetteville. Number two Alabama led big 28-7 at the half. Arkansas had struggled in the third quarter this year. They outscored Alabama 16 to nothing in the third to make it a ball game. And then it wasn't because they had to play another quarter. Alabama outscores Arkansas 21 to 3. Big story in that game, Bryce Young's injury. We'll get to that later. Uh, congratulations at UConn. They get a win over an FBS team. 19-14 over Fresno State. 
The Huskies are now two and four on the season. Randy Edsel was still the coach. They could have paid him four hundred thousand dollars for that. Yeah, I mean, there would have been all kinds of incentives for that for Randy Edsel. Jim Moore Jr. doing a pretty good job in Stores, Connecticut. Uh, LSU Auburn. We said it was kind of a three-ring circus game. 21-17, LSU. They're not pretty, but they're winning. I feel like losses are about to start coming, though, starting this weekend. 21-17, LSU gets the win on the plate. How about Mike Elko and the Duke Blue Devils in the ACC? Duke scores 38 points, and they snap a 13-game ACC losing streak, 38-17 over Virginia. Duke off to a 4-1 start. Another high-profile game in the ACC, Clemson trying to validate after last week's road win against Wake Forest. DJ Ui Angalale was good last week. He's pretty good again this week. 30-20 to over the NC State Wolfpack in a packed house at Clemson on Saturday night. Defensively, they're dangerous, and they've got they a are. clear path now. The game that nobody saw coming was in Columbia, Missouri. They didn't exactly fill up the stadium, but the fans that were there had plenty to be excited about for much of the game. And then they had to play the fourth quarter. Georgia comes from behind. They stay undefeated. They win it 26-22 over Missouri, but they lose their number one ranking in the AP poll. Last week, Georgia Tech fired Jeff Collins. This week, Georgia Tech goes on the road and go figure. They beat number 24, Pittsburgh, 26-21. The two teams combined for 31 points in the fourth quarter. Georgia Tech outscoring Pitt 17-14 in the final frame. Southern Cal keeps rolling 42-20. Really rough weekend. Really rough weekend for Desmond Howard's playoff bracket. (laughs) Mm. Does he still have a playoff bracket? Three of his four are unranked. Not looking good for the former Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, Southern Cal keeps rolling. 5-0 now, 42-25 over Arizona State. And uh, Caleb Williams is pretty good playing quarterback. Oregon beats hapless Stanford 45-27. I saw a, a, a stat earlier today. Stanford has only run nine plays outside the first quarter this season where they were in a one-score game. How about that? Wow. And that, that. that is your college football blitz on this Monday afternoon. We didn't even talk about Ole Miss or Mississippi State. We're going to do that for the rest of the show. Got two and a half more hours, plus. It's a poor man's version of Mississippi Mayhem. It's a a poor man's version of it, but you had the back-to-back games. I mean, say what you will about Kentucky. That was a top-ten team in Oxford that Ole Miss beat, and then State turns around in the off-season darling that was Texas A&M. So many people talking about them being a contender this year. Yeah. And they got beat in every facet of the game. A-Chain's a great player. Like, he he got his. But otherwise, Mississippi State was the better coach football team in every facet of the game. It was not close. The score is closer than the game actually was. It was not close. Pure domination. Domination. 
Was that yeah. the best that Mississippi State has looked in any game under Mike Leach? Yes, 100% yes. Okay. We're going to get into these. Sports Talk Mississippi with you just getting started in the Pearl River Resort Studios Monday afternoon. We recap the weekend. We'll start with Ole Miss and Kentucky coming up next. Your number one for Sports Talk. Anyone? 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 Come on, don't be shy. Sports Talk Mississippi. Bingo, man, bingo. Super Talk Mississippi. What? The responses in this week's Polk's Pick 6 biggest week yet went up by about 100. 363 of you this week participated in the Polk's Pick 6 for that chance to win. We will tell you later who the winner was this week. Uh, we'll also, um, just just quick like, I can tell you um, percentage-wise how the picks broke down. Uh, again, 363 responses. 67% of you picked Ole Miss over Kentucky. Same number of responses for Mississippi State, Texas A&M. 62% of you picked Mississippi State. 94% picked Alabama over Arkansas. 94% picked LSU over Auburn. It was really close in that Baylor-Oklahoma State Game. 52% Baylor, 48% Oklahoma State. NC State Clemson, you had uh, 69% pick Clemson, 31% took NC State. So those were kind of the breakdowns. Um, so we'll see. We'll, uh, we'll get to a winner coming up a little bit later. It may actually be tomorrow when you give you the winner. So let's talk about the matchup in Oxford. That was the earlier kick. So we'll start with that ball game. Ole Miss and Kentucky. In front of a sold-out crowd, uh, props where they're due. The whole stripe the stadium. We didn't think it was going to go very well. I don't think most people thought it was going to go very well. It went pretty darn well. I thought it looked good on television and it in did. person. It was good. Yeah, for a first timer. Yeah, I still think it should have been powder blue. Agreed. It would have popped a little bit more, but it was it was it was noticeable. It was noticeable. Strong, yeah. strong agree there. And, so, yeah, I was just going to say, I was on the west sideline looking east the entire way, which is where the majority of the Kentucky fans that were there, so it was a little bit different. When I, when I went out to midfield for the pregame coin toss and looked back at the west side, I was like, wow, people did what they were asked to do. Yeah. Almost everybody participated. This is cool. Pretty much. And I, a good bit of Kentucky fans there, though. I, I talked to some people that tailgated next to them, and they were like, you know, we pick a road trip, and this was the one we wanted to go to, and so it's a it was an inordinate amount of yeah. Kentucky fans usually than they travel elsewhere. Either way, but I was just going to say on that point, it was really impressive. I, I did a little Kentucky Twitter sample after the game, and there were people saying half the stadium, and you know, over like hold on a second, now, hold on a second. Kentucky sold its entire allotment of five thousand tickets, which rarely happens anymore for any team that's coming in. You had the advantage of it having been 12 years since Kentucky had played in Oxford, and so there were a lot of people that decided that they wanted to do it. My guess is, I was talking with somebody about it this morning, that probably 7,000, 7,500 Kentucky fans, so you had the 5,000 in the allotment, and then another you know, 2,000, 2,500 or so, bought tickets on the secondary market. I think number. it's 
awesome when it's like that. It makes for a better environment when you've got visiting fans that are that engaged and, you know, outside of a fight or two in the student section, everybody seemed to be pretty well behaved. It was, uh, it was, it was a great scene on Saturday. How about that clown from Outkick asking Jackson Dart in the postgame press conference about the fight in the stands? Like, do you think the quarterback saw the fight at all and then knows about it at all? Of all the things to ask the winning quarterback in a game in which his team just beat the number 7 team in America, you ask him about a pledge fight and the last row of the student section? That's what gets us paid the big bucks these days anymore. Maybe the joke's on me because I would have never asked that question, but I guess that's why I don't get to write for for out I just like the picture... uh... I like to picture young Richard Cross up in there throwing throwing elbows and yeah. forearm shivers, getting yeah. guys down on the ground. But uh, Steve Forky, Michael's brother. It, it, I mean, the Blazers give it away. It was a pledge thing. Being on the stupid. last row is dangerous. Somebody makes a wrong move, they're going over. I was yeah. just like, whew. But yeah, no thanks. For, for all the whining yeah. that he did, and boy, on three especially, took his whining about fans at the Tulsa game and turned that into a narrative, uh, just twisted that into, he's clearly frustrated with his job. That, that's what they have turned that into. Uh, he said this uh, at his press conference this morning that uh, there was a handful of plays that he thought crowd noise directly impacted Kentucky uh, one of which was the illegal procedure mm-hmm. that wiped the touchdown off the board. That would have been a very crucial touchdown. He directly attributed that to crowd noise. It would have been a go-ahead touchdown with less than a minute to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have uh, it would have been a big deal. I did ask a uh, the the last two questions that I asked Jackson Dart in the postgame show. I, I thought his responses were great. I, if we run out of time, or maybe later in the week, we can we can play it. Uh, I run out of things to talk about, like that's going to happen today. I asked him if, if you've seen him, Jackson Dart wears eye black over one eye. And I was like, what's the, um, what, what's the story oh, on the that? Answer. It was a two-minute answer. Going back to eighth grade, not feeling like he had enough swag to do the eye black that he saw an LSU defensive back wearing when he was in junior high, at some point deciding to go for it, a Star Wars reference, a hunting reference, shooter going to shoot their shot. And so he finishes that, and I'm like, I didn't really know what to expect when I answered that, but it wasn't all that. Yeah. And, and, and then thought, the final thing I asked him, I was like, hey, so everybody says they want a night game, but when you play one of these 11 o'clock games and win, now you get to kind of kick back and watch football. He's like, what time is it? And I was like, 20 to 3. He was like, oh, we're about to have the best night ever. And I was like, yeah. that is the most honest answer ever. Yeah. We got all day left. This is going to be great. So we're going to have to go off on a tangent here. But my mom, I talked to her yesterday, and she was like, can you tell Will Rogers about that eye black? He doesn't need to be wearing that. It doesn't look good. I was like, Mom, do you know what he does with his eye black? And she's like, no. I was like, he puts a cross on his face to you know, show you he's a very very big Christian, very religious kid, and blah, blah, blah. I was like, if you really want to make a joke, it's kind of funny. You want to do good guys versus bad guys. Our quarterback does the cross on his face, and Ole Miss tries to mimic Darth Vader. What'd she say to that? She laughed. She's like, <laughs> well, I guess so. Oh, man, fitting. 
All right. Uh, I, I got a but question yeah, about this game, by the way. Okay. How how is it that you can quote give away a game when you were down fourteen to nothing and never led? You're talking about some of the the Kentucky spin. Oh, uh, not even Kentucky. I'm talking about the uh, the wonderful and glorious SEC Network analysts multiple. Um, how do you give away a game that you were down by two scores at one point? And never led. How do you give a game away that you never led? You know, Matt Jones at Kentucky Sports Radio tweeted after the game. He's like, you know, normally when fans say, um, you know, about a game that you lost, that one was one you could have won. It's not true. He's like, it absolutely was true today. Kentucky just gave this one away. I was like... Dude, if a ref doesn't okay. step in front of Quinshawn Judkins on the three-yard line as he's going in to score, the game is it's considered a blowout. Yeah. If, the, if the ref never steps in front of Judkins and almost scores there instead of turn it over on downs on the four, because he was scoring there until ref got in the way, he stiff-armed him, which was funny. Uh, it's funnier that they won the game. If he does that and they lose the game, it's not so funny. But if that doesn't happen, then anyway, it, it's th- that kind of stuff cracks me up. Oh, they just gave it away. They never led. Oh, well, there was a bad call here. Well, a ref literally stepped in front of an Ole Miss running back as he was on his way to score. Oh, there's a bad call here, too. Yes, Malik Heath caught a first-down pass over the middle on a drive where he caught the ball and they rolled it incomplete. It, just all of that... Oh, it's the ref's fault. No, it's not. It's your right tackle's fault for letting Ivy get around him and slap the ball out of your quarterback's hand. It's your quarterback's fault for not protecting the ball on fourth down. First pick in the draft. It's your kicker's fault for being bad, and it's your kick team's unit for also being bad and letting an extra point get blocked. Like it, This for, is the way I, I, I kind of described it on the podcast, on my podcast, we were talking about this versus State. I said, I thought State created a lot of their own breaks in the game. I thought Ole Miss did a fantastic job of capitalizing on every mistake Kentucky made. And that's what good teams do. Yeah. When you make a mistake, they pounce. And I so would agree with that. That's how I look at it. I, I would agree with that, but I do think it's selling Ole Miss's defense a little bit short by not giving them great. credit for creating some of those mistakes, especially late that Kentucky made. Yeah, it's not they like, exposed that Kentucky offensive line. They exposed did. it. It's not like the Auburn-Missouri thing where the guy just dropped the football going in. The, the, right. the second Levis fumble was a defensive end doing literally what they practice every day. Get around the tackle, hit the ball out of the quarterback. And, and he got chipped by a tight end, went around the backup tackle who had come into the game. Hey, by the way, you got to stop booing players that, yeah. that, that fall down. I mean, to get the guy is questionable this week with a hamstring injury. And Jared Ivey got to the quarterback's arm and was able to knock it out before it uh, came down. In the locker room post game, Blaine Kiffin having a lot of fun with his team said, Hey, who made that play at the end? They go, Jared Ivey. He goes, Well, it's about time because he missed four sacks last week. They had a big time with it in the locker room. All right, we'll talk more in detail about the game and the way it unfolded coming up next. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Here we, here we go, go. Super Talk Mississippi. Rocks.
Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Will Levis goes 18 of 24, 220 yards, two touchdowns, two pretty crucial fumbles late in the ball game, and one dislocated middle finger. Ugh. Yeah. Did you get gross. a good angle at that, or did you have to wait till you saw the broadcast to see that? No, it was. I was watching the game back last night, and I saw it. Uh, I had some friends. We were sitting outside watching it, and I said, "Raise your hand if you've dislocated your finger inside Vault Hemingway Stadium." They just looked at me, and I raised my hand. You remember a couple of years ago when Ole Miss played Cal in that yeah, early game? Yeah, I remember. And and Chase Garber's airmails one to the sideline, and I just kind of do the reactive. I, I have a problem with this, guys. Make your jokes accordingly, where I just instinctively reached up to try and catch the ball with one hand in the air. That time I didn't make the catch. Popped my middle finger like from the, like the, the top joint, 45-degree angle. Screen grab. Yeah, that quick screen grab there. That was a one-score game too. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but only after the magic of it, JRP. It didn't didn't go their way. So maybe you just got to the actually match. catch these. You know, yeah, this one was this one was on the sideline. It didn't really have any effect. You got to complete the catch. Yeah. Le- Levis has tools, man. I mean, he showed them. He does. He's he's got a big army. Sta- his issue is pocket aware. Obviously, protecting the football. He turns the football over in almost all of his games. Like if you look at his game logs, yeah. there's very few games where he has not turned the football over. Doesn't protect the ball well. Lots pocket of, awareness is a problem. Lots of guys have tools. Most most quarterbacks in college football have tools. Doesn't mean that they're they're going to be great pros. I fear that Josh Allen has turned everybody into looking for the next Josh Allen. Sometimes a guy is just a good to decent college quarterback, and it's because he's big and he, he's got a big arm. Doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I'm not taking that one. GMs one. lose jobs. Mm-mm. I'm not taking that one twelve. Obviously, talking about projections in the uh, the NFL draft. If you're not following the one 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 twelve lingo, talking about first round um, quarterbacks. I, I think he's a good player. I mean. Yeah. Borky, to your point about his game logs, if you go back and you look last year, he turned it over. He's not playing behind a very good offensive line. No. And a couple of big sacks in the game for Ole Miss defensively. Um, At times I thought, and it's nitpicky for sure, because they, they were great defensively. I mean, they played a great game, all things considered. A couple of times I thought they got conservative. Uh, where they would only bring three and put a bunch mm-hmm. of, and drop a bunch of guys back, and they gave up first downs because they got too conservative. When they pressured him, he was all out of sorts, and that offensive line could not handle it. Yeah, and, and in fairness, they dialed up the the blitz at some pretty critical times. Yeah, uh, obviously late in the game, the safety uh, that was that was pretty incredible as well. Um, he was down, by the way. That was not a grounding safety. That was no, two knees were been. on it the was, field. Yeah, it was a sack down. They didn't yeah. call it that way, but whatever. Uh, Jackson Dart, 15 of 29, 213 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. It was not a great interception. Uh, he explained to me after the game kind of what he saw uh, and what they were trying to fit in there, but he, he didn't see. I thought Jackson Dart, Kentucky did some things in kind of their zone coverage. They, they were really effective dropping linebackers deep into coverage. And what were there, in addition to the interception, were there three more balls that linebackers got their hands on and were able to bat down? Mm-hmm. And there was Jordan another. Jordan Wright's a good player. 
There's number, another number 15 ball for that, Kentucky. Sorry, go ahead, Ada. There's another ball that they nearly intercepted at the goal line. And uh, should safety have. just sort of ran and ran into the receiver and just couldn't hold on to it. And that cost them. That cost them the game long term. It wasn't that almost got a field goal in that drive? It's the difference. <laughs> that's the margin of victory. 52 yarder, which. Uh... Ooh, he crushed that ball. Good lord. We got a couple of good kickers here in yeah. the state of Mississippi How this about year. That? Yeah. Um no, he, What's going he, on? He made some rookie mistakes. Uh, he's still a young quarter. I mean, Kiffin is finally starting to stress to people, he's not Matt Corral. He's not. So stop expecting Matt Corral. People uh, at the half were doing the, well, when do you go to Altmaier thing? Never. Never. He, was, he, he made that mistake at the end of the half when they were moving the football well. But I thought... He, when you consider that is the best team he's played so far in his life, by the way. Best team he's played so far in his life. Mm-hmm. So, best opponent, that atmosphere, well-coached He said after team, the game, biggest defense. game he's ever played in also. No doubt. And, I mean, Heath had a drop that wasn't a drop, but they called it a drop. Kelly had a drop. Watkins had a drop. When you consider, and the snaps, my gosh, he couldn't get a good snap all day. Threw the timing off of everything. That was horrible. If you... Again, he took a step forward. Is he a finished product? Absolutely not. Not anywhere close. But you see that ceiling, and it's a really high one. He's a good athlete. He's got a good arm. There was a couple of windows that he fit the ball through that that were as tight as they could possibly be, but he's got the arm to get it there. He wasn't perfect or anything close to resembling perfect, but if you watch him play and think they're not going to win games with him at quarterback, I think you're crazy. The, the potential is absolutely there, and he shows it. Once again, Quinshawn Judkins shares SEC Freshman of the Week honors, 15 carries, 106 yards, and a touchdown, 7.1 yards per carry, and his burst in the open field is off the charts. I saw somewhere on Twitter somebody did the, the whole miles per hour thing, and he was running at like 22.5 miles per hour on the breakaway uh, the long touchdown run into the end zone. What was it, a 48-yard run where he just kind of ran away from everybody? Yeah. He's special. Yeah. And stiff-armed a ref. Really good player. All right. Um, I, need, I need to see a screen grab of that. I didn't see it's that. It's funny. Find it for me, I want a screen grab of that, and I want my head photoshopped on his body. <laughs> so you can get me in the Ole Miss uniform, but that's a good look for me. I, I think we need to talk about this just for a second. And... This is not throwing shade or anything, but but the story when Malik Keith transferred to Ole Miss was good, he needs to go, he's not good enough to be a receiver at Mississippi State. Ole Miss was glad to get him. He's turned into Ole Miss's best receiver this season. He had six catches for 100 yards and had a drop that was called a drop that wasn't actually a drop, and that would have put him at seven catches for like a buck 30 in the, uh, in the game. He's been good. You know, th- there were some people around Ole Miss – and, of course, they were trying to spin it also that said, well, this offense where the routes are going to be more downfield routes is a better suited offense for him than the offense he was in at Mississippi State. I think all of those things can be true, right? That Mississippi State's offense maybe wasn't particularly well suited for Malik Heath, that this one works out a little bit better, that Malik Heath has been better than Mississippi State fans wanted to give him credit for, and at the same time, Mississippi State's fine with the fact that he move on, moved on. Can all of those things be true at the same time? Feels like it, yeah. It's fair. I mean, some people thrive in different... Some people just need to change a scenery. And when yeah. they get it, they can thrive. And Chase on the text line is right. It, talent was not his issue. 
at State. He's, he's, he's always been talented. It's not like he showed up in Oxford and they're like, wait, this guy magically became good in three months. It's always been there. Yeah. And he obviously had the, the deal in the, the bowl game against Tulsa, and we had our fair share of fun with that at the time. And that was a few years ago, and he seems to be a thriving. Arrests, but, you know. So he's, he's, he's he, a couple of arrests, but I mean, he's gotten, he seems to have gotten it figured out up there in Oxford, and, and, you know, he's having a good, good final year of his career. The, yeah. the, nobody should begrudge him that. The best thing he does is when he gets tackled, he gets up and takes two full steps and then puts the ball down. It cracks me up every single time. Like, he, I mean, he's, I guess he's trolling at this point because no ref's going to fall for that. It's too much, but, man, he'll get tackled and take two steps and put the ball down, and then they'll run back to the huddle, then the ref has to go get it and put it back to the spot every time. I think there's a big-picture thing that you saw from Ole Miss on Saturday that should make you excited about the future. There's a lot of talk about offensive line, but Ole Miss has had some injuries on the offensive line. Caleb Warren doesn't start. Eli Acker starts at center. Obviously, he had his issues with, with his snaps. Caleb Warren ends up coming up at the end of the ball game, but for the overwhelming majority of that game, Ole Miss had Pettis at one tackle and Jaden Williams at the other. It's two redshirt freshmen anchoring your offensive line on the outside. I mean, Nick Broker continues to play really well. He's obviously a veteran presence in there. You know, Caleb Warren is important when when he's in there. He went through warmups, even though people didn't think he was going to play, and he just kind of stayed on the bike and tried to stay loose, and then goes into the game in the uh, in the second half. If you've got young tackles that you feel comfortable with and who are playing well, and Pettis was what co-offensive lineman of the week or in in the mm-hmm. SEC. That should make you feel pretty good about the future. If they're productive as redshirt freshmen starting in an SEC game against a top-10 opponent, I think that's a big deal going forward. With a sophomore quarterback and a freshman running back behind him. Yeah. Yeah. So 22-19, Ole Miss wins over Kentucky to improve to 5-0. and That's 13 straight home wins for Ole Miss. And uh, they continue to play well. Go to Vanderbilt this week. Come back home for Auburn on the 15th for another 11 a.m. kickoff. And then it's uh, LSU and A&M in back-to-back weeks before an open date. And then that stretch run of Alabama, Arkansas, and the Egg Bowl against Mississippi State. We'll start to peel the lid off Mississippi State's game against Texas A&M when we come back. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. More Sports Talk Mississippi. Let's go time. Sports Talk Mississippi. Well, say something. Super Talk Mississippi. Ceasefire text line 601 879 4395. You get this message Old Miss is not as good as their record. Cupcake schedule. I did respond to this because I was just looking back through the, uh, the the text messages from this same person on Friday where they said, I think Kentucky by 10 or more, Ole Miss is going to be outmatched tomorrow. And then followed it up a few minutes later with Kentucky by 10 or more. 
And I said, so which is it? Ole Miss isn't any good? Or your prediction that Ole Miss would be outmatched in Kentucky by 10 or more? His response is, Kentucky should have won by 14 or more, honestly. You know that, and so does everybody else. Mistakes killed Kentucky's chances. Here's what I don't understand about that. You're not the only person that says that. Since when is that not part of the game? What did we talk about all last week leading up to this game? Two pretty evenly matched teams. The team that makes fewer mistakes. I listened to you guys on Friday afternoon going through the two questions, and you both talked about the fact that, you know, the team that plays a cleaner football game. So when you go out and you play the cleaner football game and you force some mistakes and there are some unforced errors, and by the way, Ole Miss didn't play a perfect game. They made plenty of mistakes themselves. And you win, why is it you do the, yeah, but what about, after it's over? I, I, I'm, I'm having trouble following that logic. There's one thing I wanted to ask you about. And I am surprised that I literally saw no nothing about this. Mm-hmm. Kiffin shoved one of his players. Just shoved yeah, it was Trigg coming off the field early in the ballgame. I didn't see it till the replay. I didn't see it and, in real time last night. And all I can think is, if Leach did that, it would have been a national story, I feel. Like, how, how did he get no backlash for doing that whatsoever? I don't know. I, I mean, it, it, I, 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 mean, when I like, saw it, I shoved him. Yeah, and then the announcers great, didn't really go on a tangent or anything. Yeah, just, it was just weird. Yeah. I don't know. No. Don't don't know the answer to that. I'm just trying to bring negative attention to you know doing the best I can here. Ole Miss won, but do you really believe they are the number nine team in the nation? I don't know. I mean, maybe I, not. I, think, I, I always answer that question like this: like right now, yeah, they're five and zero. Oh. You know, sure. At the end of the season, I don't know. Probably not. But right now they deserve to be ranked ninth. What, what have they done to not be ranked ninth? But, but, but he, play, you play. And, and we do this all the time, right? We, we play it out going forward. I mean, Ole Miss probably wins yeah. against Vanderbilt, right? And then they're going to be 6-0. and And then they should beat Auburn at home. And then they're going to be 7-0. and And wouldn't you think, I mean, even if you want to say, well, they're not going to win at LSU and at A&M, based on what you've seen from those two teams, wouldn't you think they would split those two games? Possibly, probably. Then they're eight and one going into Alabama after with an open day. I well, mean, how can you do know. the they ain't played nobody thing? They're not any good thing when you look around what what has happened in college football so far. This is as filled with parity that that we've had in an early season in, in quite some time. Look, Ohio State's really good and dominant. Clemson appears to be good. Georgia should have here's that word again should have lost to Missouri. They're not perfect. Uh, Bryce Young has a little shoulder issue, um, and if Arkansas gets one stop, they have the football down five in the second half to Alabama. So you you spend all off season in the first four weeks of the season doing Ole Miss ain't played nobody. We'll find out when Kentucky comes. Kentucky comes, they beat Kentucky, and it's ah well yeah they're not any good. I kind of agree with what Chase says. He's like, there's somewhere between 7 and 12 in a logjam of people that we don't know about. Yeah. And and I kind of think that's the oh, yeah. college football season is. Has Ole Miss's schedule been favorable? Yes. Did we say since June that Ole Miss had a schedule that was favorable? 
and given the fact that they were breaking in a new quarterback and had to figure out some things about themselves, it probably worked in Ole Miss's favor to have a month of September where they should go 4-0, and then it gets progressively more difficult as the season goes along. We don't know what Ole Miss is completely yet. They've passed all their tests so far, which is more than you can say for a lot of college football. Hey, you can you absolutely make the argument. Undefeated. You can't do it. It feels awfully They're dismissive of Kentucky, too. Yeah, I think well, Kentucky's I think a pretty you can be decent a little football dismissive team. Of Kentucky. They're good, but they've probably got two, three more losses coming. Well, and, and you know the other thing that I would say, hey, Dad, is we can make the argument that Mississippi State really could and maybe even should be five and zero. They should be five and zero, but, but they I didn't win like the game they, they against the LSU. LSU. Mm-hmm. They didn't win it. We, we have that big scoreboard in multiple places in the stadium for a reason. Because you keep score. And if you have more points than the other team at the end, you don't have to apologize to anybody for how you got them. <laughs> and Kelso it's reminds true. us that James Madison got some top 25 votes. James Madison undefeated on the season. For Kelso, I should have I should have included James Madison in the rundown. In the blitz. Sorry. I we'll get him next week, we promise. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Winners and losers coming up. It's time for more Sports Talk Mississippi. Finally. Finally. On Supertalk Mississippi, the Supertalk app, and at supertalk.fm. One hour in the books with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We spent much of the first hour after the Blitz talking about Ole Miss and Kentucky, really the majority of that time. We'll get to Mississippi State and Texas A&M. Bulldogs dominating win over the Aggies in Starkville on Saturday afternoon. We've got winners and losers coming up. First, we'll remind you that Sports Talk Mississippi is coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. You can visit PearlRiverResort.com. Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. I uh, I actually was able to play golf this morning with uh, some guys. There was a, a Learfield event in Oxford. It was kind of like a little bit of an egg bowl deal. Hey, Deb. Uh, a couple of Ole Miss guys, a couple of Mississippi State guys. I played with, uh, with yeah. Cade Smith's dad, Jason Smith. And uh, okay. Brad Henderson, our friend and frequent guest, and uh, and Nat Grubbs, also who's a big Mississippi State guy that lives in Tupelo, had a great time uh, this morning. Uh, so one of those guys was telling me that they two weeks ago took a group of 20 guys to Dancing Rabbit. I said, how was it? He's like, oh, man. <laughs> He's like, those courses are in phenomenal shape right now. You can do the exact same thing. You can put together a big group. And you can take everybody and have a blast. You can hit up the sports book at Timeout Lounge. And of course, you've got the casinos, Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, though, two championship, 18 whole courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas. Book your tee time online today at dancingrabbitgolf.com. Uh, got to visit uh, a little while early this morning with uh, Chiefs Iris Ben as well of the uh, Mississippi Band of Choctaw Indians. 
and uh, it was great to catch up with him. So uh, a lot of cool stuff happening there. Uh, you want to be a part of the conversation, why don't you join us on the Ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business, backed by world-class IT experts who live where you do, right here in Ceasefire country. Check availability now at ceasefire.com slash business. We're going to get to winners and losers in just a second, but I do think we should should drop this in there. Obviously, big game coming up this week for Mississippi State. They host the Arkansas Razorbacks. When the lines for this first came out, Mississippi State was a six-and-a-half-point favorite. That number has ballooned to eight-and-a-half. It's only Monday. Why? Largely because of the uncertainty of what Arkansas is going to do at quarterback after K.J. Jefferson was banged up. Sam Pittman was asked in his press conference earlier today about the status of K.J. Jefferson. Saturday. Well, he, he has some mild symptoms, and, uh, you know, those are things that our doctors look at, saying, you know, each kid's a little bit different of how they how they react, and, and, and we've had guys back within three or four days. We've had guys out for 27 days, you know, so... Uh, we'll just—he's kind of a wait and see, to be honest with you. So that was Sam Pittman talking about KJ Jefferson. He was later asked specifically. So KJ is in concussion protocol, and Sam Pittman said, "No, I didn't say that." Or no, he didn't say no. He said, "I didn't say that." Sounds like he's in concussion protocol at Arkansas. Certainly, what that sounded like, Sam. Um, when you, some guys are out I three think, to four days, it's based on how they respond going through the protocol. And when some guys are out 27 days, it's because how of how they did or didn't respond in terms of going through that protocol. I can't help but think that after last week and Tua's situation, that the, everybody's kind of keeping an eye on concussions right now. And if he's not 100% clear, there is no chance. He's not going to play. He's just not going to play. You can't. You can't be the next one to send a kid out there, not ready to to come back and get him hurt. You, you you'll get crucified. So you can't do it. And and kind of the interesting thing about this is that Malik Hornsby, the super athletic receiver slash quarterback, was listed as the backup last week. But when KJ Jefferson had to go out of the game, they actually went with Cade Fortin, who is the walk on transfer from South Florida. He went four of ten for thirty-five yards. Sam Pittman said all the right things. You know, we trust both guys. We just thought Fortin was a little bit better in the passing game. Huge advantage for Mississippi State if KJ Jefferson does not play on Saturday against Arkansas. Huge. Yes. Yes. Massive. No other way to put it. Yes. No other way to put it. All right. Let's get to winners and losers. All I do is. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. Winner never win. And a winner never quit. You know how it works. What did you like this weekend? What did you not like this weekend? We put the winners in the category of, well, winners. And uh, that's the left-hand column. And we put the losers in the right-hand column. And they go in the category of, well, losers. Did I explain that clearly enough? I think we got it. English teachers would be proud. You're not supposed to use the definition, the word itself, in defining the word. 
But you know how uh, how we go. Michael Borky, give me a winner. How about the Big 12? I know we're going to talk about State later. Mm. So they, they would be on my way, just absolutely dominating a roster that is far more expensive than their own. But we'll get to that later. The Big 12. Big 12 has four games this coming weekend. All four of those games have a ranked team in it, except for one. You want to guess what that one game is? It's the Red River Shootout. The Red River Shootout. The Red River Shootout is the only Big 12 game that does not feature a ranked team. (laughs) How about that? TCU at 17. Are they winners or losers? I don't know what's going on here. Well, because those are the teams that are leaving them, right? That's true. uh, Oklahoma State is number 7. Kansas State is number 20. Only the Red River Shootout features unranked teams in the Big 12. Hmm. Hey, Dad, give me a winner. Choice. A lot to pick from this weekend. I'm going to go way off of my normal radar. The Atlanta Braves. Ooh. Because a lot of people were saying that division was headed to New York, and then Atlanta goes and sweeps the Mets this weekend. They're up two and a, I think two and a half with three to play. So that's, I mean, I don't think they're going to choke that away. It's kind of funny. You know, I like I, I don't have anything against the Mets. Doesn't they don't really affect me one way or the other, but they were a little they were a little too big for their britches this year and, and now Atlanta has uh, come back and uh, strong. We need to get Ben Ingram on if we can this week. Talk about that cuz back in like May and June, everybody thought the Mets were going to run away with that. Didn't I see a bit of shade about Timmy Trumpets and um there's a controversy about this that the the sing, the, the the musician has said that the Mets closer should be the only one who uses that song, but the Braves have a guy who uses it, and he just doesn't care. He's like, I'm just going to continue to use whatever I want. And it's everywhere in college football, and Missouri is now using yeah. that on every third down. Every opponent third down, they play the uh, the Timmy Trumpets. I kind of like it. I, it's one of those things that we're going to yeah. get that's going to get overdone, and probably quickly. Maybe it already has. I got a winner. Albert Pujols tied for the second most runs batted in in Major League Baseball history, trailing only Hank Aaron. This magical season that he has had in St. Louis, he was so good for so long, it would be hard to blame him for chasing the contract that he chased. And he got to the end of his career, And he came back home, but it wasn't just a comeback home and, you know, you get to put the jersey on one last time. He's been massive, massive for the Cardinals. There was a story coming out of uh, their game yesterday that said the first time Albert Pujols, Yadier Molina, and Adam Wainwright appeared together in a Cardinals uniform September eleventh, two 2005 at the Old Bush Stadium. That was Adam Wainwright's debut, and the Cardinals were on their way to a 100-win season. 17 years and three weeks later, the trio was together still, and for the last time in the regular season, Molina, Wainwright, and Pujols all in a Cardinals uniform. You love the Cardinals or hate the Cardinals, that's some pretty cool career symmetry for those three guys. Borky, you got another winner? I would like to transition to losers, if that's okay. 
Yeah, let's just hold, be positive hold, for a few moments. Hold on. Just, just now, now, I've first of all, my loser is a very positive one. It's okay. Ross Bjork. <laughs> what so an idiot! Like just, just for a second. Hey, Dad, do you have loser. a winner? Do you have a winner related to Mississippi State from this past weekend? Emmanuel Forbes, SEC Defensive Player of the Week. What an incredible game. Mm. Uh, two picks, including a pick six. That's his fourth in his career. Four pick sixes in three years. And, of course, he blocked the field goal that led to the the, the, the play that really broke the game open uh, that, and set up the uh, the big return on the blocked field goal that State scored. And that was a, a ten-point swing right there. So, yeah, we'll go with Emmanuel Forbes. I am a mark for Emmanuel Forbes. Big fan of his. He makes interceptions look easy. He does. Like they, they, they look effortless. They just track into his hand somehow. All right. Michael Borky will have a loser to lead us off coming oh. back out of the break. I'll go back to what I said earlier when we were talking about the offensive line for Ole Miss. I think the combination of Pettis and Williams, kind of at left tackle, right tackle, those two guys are, are big winners. And Pettis was named uh, what, co-offensive lineman of the week in the SEC. Good stuff there for him. We'll be right back. More winners and losers after this. Place for crazy people. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. To underscore Michael Borky's statement from earlier. In the Big 12, this coming Saturday, October 8th, number 17 TCU at number 19 Kansas, both undefeated. Texas Tech at number 7 Oklahoma State, number 20 Kansas State at Iowa State. 3-2 and two Texas, 3-2 and two Oklahoma from the Cotton Bowl at 11 a.m. on ABC. No number next to either team's name. Oh, boy. And could you imagine, by the way, back in, I don't know, February, if I'd have said, hey, you can have Jeff Lebby and Dylan Gabriel or Charlie Weiss Jr. and Jackson Dart, who you take him, what the responses would be versus they are what they are right now. The Oklahoma's offense has stunk. Dylan Gabriel has stunk. Mm, kind of. Did you watch... No, he no, stunk. I did not. He stunk. He, he stunk. He stunk. Not good. Hey, before Borky unloads on one of our favorite punching bags, uh, another winner. Me, four and one last week on my picks. I was four zero and one the week before. I'm killing it. I wish I was putting money on them, What's but that? I'm, I'm winning that. Eight one and one. Eight one and one. Ooh, look at tell, you. Tell Lee Sterling and Bruce Marshall to step up. By the way, Chase on the ceasefire text line. Prior to Borky mentioning Texas A&M, he says, Borky having a Texas A&M-related loser. I'll give minus 450 for A&M, <laughs> plus 300 for the field, meaning uh, literally anything else. Yeah, All right. Ross Bjork, more- Texas A&M, everything about their operation are big, fat losers. Remember August of last year when they negotiated against themselves and extended his contract back out to 10 years fully guaranteed with a million and a half dollar raise. Remember that? Mm -hmm. And then do you see them now after an offseason where he called a press conference to act like a child in the direction of Nick Saban, who, by the way, is going to unload 
unload on his football team this weekend. Probably with a backup quarterback, too. With a backup. It's going to be biblical. I it's mean, worse. It's worse for them because AM can't stop the run and Milrose the better runner. I mean, it's, it's, it's worse. And then you have the greatest, seriously, the greatest recruiting class of all time that you side and you deny, you deny. No, we are not. They just love what we're building here. No, they don't. And they lied and they lied and they lied. And then the games start being played. And you take that wildly expensive roster with this quarterback guru, this offensive genius, and you get beat by Appalachian State at home. But you bounce back. Remember, you beat Miami when you scored 17 points, and then you beat Arkansas when they missed a game-winning field goal off the top of the upright, and you felt like, hey, things were back. We're all good. And then you go to Mississippi State, who I would say conservatively, has, what, 10 times fewer dollar amounts spent on their roster versus Texas A&M? So, so if you believe Fair. A&M's roster is a $30 million roster, you're saying that Mississippi State is somewhere in the neighborhood of a $3 million roster? And that's and probably by the way, too that high. that just on the recruiting class. That's just on the recruiting class. And yeah. that's probably too high for State. You think they got... Do you think... Collectives have three million sunk into that roster. If if they do, awesome. Like good for whoever's running that collective. I would be surprised if it if it's that high. So yeah. with the cost of your roster and the cost of your coach and his staff compared to oh lowly old wait, hold on. Those rednecks at Mississippi State who can't even read and they beat you up and down the field in every single facet of a football game. Mike Leach and his staff out coached circles, circles around you and your staff. All that money. And what do you got to show for it? Those garbage programs, bro, in Mississippi embarrassed you again. <laughs> now, this again. isn't the first time. Again. It keeps happening. Losers, all of them. Throw a winner on there, though. The Mississippi State fans who went to Ole Miss goes down there in a few weeks. Yep. Throw that. Throw a winner on there. The Mississippi State fans who went out to the intramural fields and took over uh, Midnight Yell and turned it into Cowbell Yell. That was so funny on Friday night. (laughs) I missed that. What happened? Oh, there's video. I'll get it to you. Uh, A couple of friends of mine went out there and. There were a, a few hundred students out there ringing cowbells and drowning them out. Just drowning they out talked the about what a bunch of, But they talked about what a bunch of country bumpkins Mississippi State fans are, he said in that exact voice. You know, I know it's cheesy That's or beautiful. whatever. I, I, I find that Cheers. like next-level lame if you go to somebody's campus and do that. You know what I mean? I, I, I feel like that... Somebody should step in and say, "Hey, look, our campus police are not going to secure this event." Well, we're not. It doing was the it. other way around. The campus police were holding the state fans yeah. out of there. Yeah. They were like just trying to get up in the. I don't think they were going to fight. I think they just wanted to you know, like get a little closer, and they were like, "No, you can't do that." Like I, I know it's cheesy, but you're not coming to my campus and calling me country bumpkins and rednecks. You're not doing that. You can do that somewhere else, or else we're the police aren't going to protect you. Pick one. I wouldn't let that happen. Uh, hey, Dad, 
You can tell me to shut up if you think I'm out of line here. All right? Okay. Let's tell you that anyway. This is going in the losers category. All right. Bulldog fans, you are out of excuses. No more. I don't I don't want to hear any more excuses. Your football team is good. You just dominated against Texas A&M, and you have a massive game coming up on Saturday. There is no excuse for 10,000 empty seats in your stadium. Fix it. Period. Fix it. 51,930 at 3 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon when it's 79 degrees and not a cloud in the sky? Stop it. You're in the SEC. You want to be looked at as big time? Go at big time. Fill up the stadium on Saturday against Arkansas. I'm done. Period. That's it. Fix it. And if you do, I'll come on here next Monday and tell you you're winners for creating the environment that should happen in your stadium. They they are the, the the university is really pushing. This is the weekend to come, so we'll see. Eleven a.m. The high is seventy one. I mean, it's going to be be- it's going to be cold. It's going to actually be cold at kickoff. I think it'll be chilly. At eleven a.m. SEC Nation is there. You're right. There there is no excuse. You bought if you bought season tickets, these two games were the one you circled. If you say, well, I can't make them back to back, I'm going to wait out a And M. Well, State did what it had to do. So I agree. Yeah, okay. Any other losers? Any other winners? Well, just, just on the uh, the Michael Borky, uh, let's make fun of ADs, 245 days ago, Wisconsin gave Paul Christ an extension. <laughs> now he's been fired. So that's 19 mil going to Paul Christ. Athletic directors are some of the smartest. I mean, John Cohen, Keith Carter, smart guys. They know what they're doing. But they make some of the dumbest decisions I've ever seen in my life as a collective. Athletic, an ath, I guess it's sort of like people versus person. An athletic director can be smart. Athletic directors are stupid. Stop bidding against yourselves. Who was trying to hire Paul Christ? Not one person. Not one school in America was like, put Paul Christ on the hot board. Hmm. Where do you think he is right now? I think he's still in Madison today, or you think he already booked a flight to the Bahamas? No, he's he's eating a, a plate of cheese curds and having a uh, grain belt light. What is, he spent like thirty three of forty two years or fifty two years of his life. Yeah, where's he going with the Wisconsin football program? He's from Madison. He lives in Madison. There was a lot of, yes, it was time for him to go, but please treat this guy with respect on the way out the door that you saw online. Uh, yeah, a lot of the players not happy about that, too, took to social media. to And, look, all, most players love their coaches, and that, that's not why you don't fire somebody, but not a happy locker room to hear that. Uh, ben in Byram has Delta State on the winner's list after a 70-31 to victory over Valdosta State. Complete domination. Patrick Shegog, their quarterback. Come on now. 26 of 29? 90% with four touchdowns? And three touchdowns on the ground. Anytime you score 70, it's a good day. It is a very good day. Well, that's not true. Ask LSU in 2018. Against A&M? Yeah. What was the 99% of the time, 74-72. 99% of the time when you score 70, it's a good day. 
There's a lot of loser A&M and everything related to it. Uh, winner Mississippi State offensive line. No sacks versus the Texas A&M defense. Thought I heard you, key. And the yeah. explosive play. And, mm-hmm. I mean, everything. They, they had everything Saturday. I got a loser, my Mets, for not getting one in Atlanta. However, you can't say that a team that has won 98 games is too big for their britches. Jeez. Whoever it was that said that okay. earlier. And maybe Alabama with Bryce Young's injury. Those are your winners and losers. We'll get into Mississippi State, Texas A&M, and unpack it next. Let's talk Mississippi. Your all-access pass to all things sports in Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. have for you what I think is a mind-boggling stat. I think. All right. Mississippi State, in the second half, ran a total of 23 plays. Right? Okay. They ran ran eight plays in the third quarter. Three runs and five pass attempts. And in the fourth quarter, they had five rush attempts and ten pass attempts. So 15 plus eight is 23. Yeah. Mississippi State averaged 1.2 points per play run in the second half. It's pretty efficient. They averaged better than a point per play run in the second half of that ballgame. Right. This is a weird game if you didn't watch it to try and know what happened. If you look at the stat sheet from this game, you, of course, see a final score at 42-24. But time of possession, ah, it's pretty close to even. A&M had it for 31 minutes. Mississippi State had it for 29 minutes. Texas A&M had more first downs. Rushing yardage, uh, really close. Mississippi State rushed it for eight yards more. Passing yardage, Mississippi State was about 70 yards more. Total yardage, what, 90, roughly total? Mm Mm-hmm. It doesn't describe the way this game was dominated, and it's hard to wrap your mind around running 23 plays in the second half but scoring 28 points. Yeah, a couple of uh, defensive and special teams. Yes. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Yeah, so that's what I was going to say. Hey, Dad, I need you to pull out your paintbrush and paint with words the picture of what you saw unfolded Starkville on Saturday. Total domination in all three phases of the game, which has never happened under Mike Leach. has always been a, a, an error here or there. A, a, not a fast start because it was nothing, nothing after the first quarter. But State got the lead and never gave it back and was never in doubt. Again, 
you know, we've been talking for three years about Mike Leach's team starting slow. Didn't really happen today, or on Saturday, I guess I should say. Um, Will Rogers, as efficient as ever. State's offensive line, best performance all year long. Uh, no sacks, and then they get six yards a carry, 140 yards rushing. I mean, I, you just don't expect that from Mississippi State. You just don't. Uh, all three running backs who ran the ball did so pretty effectively. They spread the ball around effectively. Uh, you saw a couple. Of, you saw a new face this week. Justin Robinson had six catches. You saw Tulu Griffin get the ball. You saw Ra Ra Thomas obviously had the long touchdown catch. Defensively, everything Arnett wanted to do kind of worked. He was able to keep flushing Johnson and then King later in the game uh, and, and, and forcing him into bad throws. The secondary played well. And then on special teams, you had a, a missed field goal, but you punted the ball well. Your kickoff coverage was pretty good. I mean, it was just as complete a performance as Mississippi State has ever put together under Mike Leach. And like you said, the score, I mean, they got that late touchdown. State missed a field goal. It, it could have been much worse. I, I was really surprised when State got the ball back after after the onside kick attempt to make it after it was 42-24. They still had like a minute and some change there. I thought Leach might try to add on. I really got the impression he was he was feeling feeling his oats a little bit on Saturday. You wish he had? It would have been funny. Might as well get A&M ready for what's going to happen this weekend to them in Alabama. I, I want this conversation to be about Mississippi State, but I do have a bigger picture question. How close is A&M to quitting? Because they did the second half of that game. Yeah. Fourth quarter? I don't think it's going to be particularly close in Tuscaloosa this Saturday. Then they get an open date. If Texas A&M coming off the open date goes to South Carolina and somehow manages to lose that game, are they done? Like, done, done? I think so. Yeah, and the question becomes, how painful does it have to become for somebody to say, okay, I have $100 million? Do you know how much money that is? That's got to be pretty painful. That's got to be pretty painful. You got to really want it at that point. But the problem is this, and I, and I, you know, Josh Pate says it over and over again. It's not a, a it's not a problem you can fix in season. You got to change what you're doing offensively. You can't just in the middle of the season say, "All right, let's go hire a coordinator, let's give him the play calling duties, and we're going to change." You can't. You just got to get through this. All right. So, so along those lines, Nick Saban has every reason to be. To have the biggest ego in all of college football. And I'm sure he's got a big ego. But he has been willing to change and to evolve. Is Jimbo Fisher, who has had success with his offense, does he have the ability to say, you know what, what we're doing isn't working anymore. We're going to change. We're going to evolve. And go out and hire an offensive coordinator. I say it all the time on the on the show, on the podcast, just in regular conversation, that so many coaches would rather lose their way than win somebody else's. Saban is the opposite of that. He'll do whatever he has to do. If you told him that you know, hey, winning wearing pink shirts and green pants increases your chance of winning, he'd do it. He'd show up in a pink shirt and green pants every day. He'd pull out that sport coat he wears at the spring game every year. 
Yes. Maybe, I mean, yeah. So, does Jimbo Fisher, does he want to win or does he want to call plays? That's, that's the question for Jimbo Fisher. Do you want to win games? You have elite talent. At almost every position, you got a four-star, five-star kid. You got hey, hey, all hey. the money in the world backing you up. Why? Why? What are you going to do? I did not intend for this to be a conversation about A and M, but I, I wanted to mm-hmm. kind of work that in. Twenty-four mm-hmm. rushing attempts, hundred forty-four yards for Mississippi State. Dylan Johnson goes fourteen carries for sixty-eight yards and a touchdown. Woody Marks carries it seven times for fifty-four yards. Price carries it three times for 22 yards. I don't even know if Mississippi State has to run it this way. But the threat of them running it this way kind of makes everything else click, right? Yeah, if it, and Chase and Columbus said the same thing on the text line, that it's the threat, right? If they're, It doesn't matter if they only have 15 carries, if they're getting six yards a carry. It's just if they if they know that they can run the ball and get the yardage they want, then you're in trouble. And that's if you watch the first like half of that game, maybe into the third quarter, Rogers is I mean, it's everything we make fun of, right? Rogers is just dinking and dunking, he's keeping it safe, he's keeping it you know, he I think at one point he had twenty five completions for like hundred and seventy yards. And then but State's able to run the football. They're running the ball effectively, so AM has to change what they do defensively. And DJ Durkin didn't have Sam Williams to come bail him out this time. And all of a sudden, now it's a 75-yard touchdown pass. And now it's these chunk plays to Ra-Ra Thomas and to Justin Robinson and Sulu Griffin. If State can run the football, they're going to they're gonna score points. They're going to move the football. So, and, you know, next week is interesting because... Uh, Arkansas is so bad at pass defense. They're just so bad at it that I don't know what you do with the run game there. But I feel like, you know, you've got to get the ball to Johnson and Marks. They're good players. You want them to have the ball, and and it's working right now. I was listening a little bit to Tom Luganville and Barrett Salee yesterday. They do a college football Sunday show yeah. on, on satellite radio. And Luganville asked Barrett, he's like, if you had to pick a roster right now, would you take Texas A&M's roster or Mississippi State's roster? And Barrett paused for a second, and he answered the way you would expect. He answered, well, Texas A&M's roster. The point that Luganville was making then, well, then it comes down to coaching, right? And they were in agreement right. on that. But are we sure that right now you would rather have Texas A&M's roster than Mississippi State's roster? Mississippi State's better at quarterback. Miss- They're better at I would receiver. Mississippi State's, I would rather have Mississippi State's roster with Will Rogers. The fact that A&M is Texas, bad at You'd rather have Texas A&M's roster with Will Rogers. Texas A&M's roster with Will Rogers. The fact that A&M is bad at quarterback spoils everything. You can't do anything when you're bad at quarterback. You just yeah, can't. A&M's, A&M's not good at wide receiver. They're not good at tight end With Smith year. out, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, okay, I'll give you a chain over the combination of Johnson and Marks, but not by a lot. I think that's two pretty good running backs for Mississippi State. I mean, Evan Stewart, this may be incredible down the line. He had four catches against Mississippi State. Bulldogs had one, two, three, four, five guys that had four catches or more. I'm just not 100% sure 
that I would take A&M's roster right now over Mississippi State's. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. More coming up. If it's happening in Mississippi sports, you'll hear about it first right here. Sports Talk Mississippi. Off Mississippi with you. Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon. It was a good weekend in the Magnolia State. Beautiful weather for the Sanderson Farms Championship at the Country Club of Jackson, where Mackenzie Hughes took home the rooster yesterday. Came from uh, a shot back starting the round and uh, played really well. And just an absolute Borky, you were out there yesterday, right? I was, yes. I was surprised. I mean, if they were going to go to a third playoff, well, it might have been too dark to finish. Was uh, was worried about that, honestly, out there when they tied the first playoff hole. A little bit of a late start for the uh, for the leaders. Yeah, 2 o'clock. Yeah. Cut it a little close. A little would've, bit. It would have been perfect had there not been a playoff. Isn't that just gorgeous out there yesterday? Oh, yeah, man. All week long. So a, a great weekend in Jackson. Thanks to all our, our friends at uh, Sanderson Farms, the Sanderson Farms Championship, for hosting us last week and uh, being there on, on Wednesday and Thursday. So much fun. So much fun. Uh, Jason says, I'm not a big Leach fan, but he's several orders better than Jimbo. And I don't even know if we have to do the, con- the like, comparing him. Hey, Dad, we have talked openly about the fact that there are Mississippi State fans who are not necessarily on the Mike Leach bandwagon. Did he win some supporters over on Saturday? I mean, if he didn't, then you just have you have a higher standard of Mississippi State football than you probably should. You know, I feel like sometimes somebody was talking about it on a message board. I feel like state fans sometimes watch these games in a vacuum, like, oh, well, state won, but they did this wrong and this wrong and this wrong, and it's like they just think everybody else in the country is winning perfect. Like, you know. LSU just went out there to Auburn and just dominated that game from start to finish and had no problems. I, I, I don't get it sometimes. Everybody has, you know, everybody wins games because the other team makes mistakes from now every now and then. So I, I think for the most part, yeah, he had to pick up some supporters this week. But at the same time, you know, I'm interested to see what the crowd looks like on Saturday. The people that have the, that particular take did not watch any other college football this weekend or don't. Outside of Mississippi State, that's the only way you can have that take at this point. I would say there's only one team that has been basically flawless this year, and that team is Ohio State. And even they kind of fiddle farted around. They were losing at the half. They were losing at the half with Notre yeah. Dame. Yeah, Stroud struggled in that one. It was the opener, though. I mean, yeah. but but yes, I mean, yeah. if we're saying. I think Ohio State has put together the most complete body of work so far this year. You could argue Clemson is number two in terms of body of work and schedule. NC State's no joke, man, and they they controlled that game from start to finish. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just crazy, right? I mean, you, you, you look at Alabama, who goes back to number one despite having fewer first-place votes than Georgia. And, and by the way, they should have jumped Georgia. Georgia did not play like the number one team in the country on Friday night. Alabama was fortunate to escape Austin with a win over Texas. And that game got real tight for a little bit in Fayetteville in the third quarter. Georgia did what they had to do to win against Missouri on Saturday night, but it it, it got to the point where it looked like it might be shaky. I don't think anybody watching that game ever thought Georgia was going to actually lose, but then you look up and you're like, I mean, they're still down 10. Wait, they're, they're still down 10. They got bullied up front. Stetson Bennett wasn't particularly good either. He was not. He was not. I need to see more from Michigan. Weird game. Yeah, it was. It was. I need to see more from Michigan. Clemson's been pretty good, and, and DJ Uyunglele has put together back-to-back really solid games at quarterback. Especially being critical about this game. I mean, th- this was the game. You know, sometimes you win games because your offense just outscores an opponent, right? Sometimes that happens. Sometimes you win games because your defense plays well and makes plays late. Shout out Ole Miss. Mississippi State beat Texas A&M on the line of scrimmage. Rodgers wasn't sacked. They beat them in the turnover battle. A couple of interceptions, a couple of forced fumbles. They beat them in special teams. Blocked field goal turned into a touchdown. They beat them. Uh, there was a couple of. There was one drive in the second half where where A&M scored a touchdown, and then State kind of methodically just worked their way down the field in a long drive and scored a touchdown. And then like their next possession took the top off of A&M's defense and scored a, a an explosive 75-yard touchdown. That was one play. One play drive there. They beat A&M in, in, in every way. They didn't win because of defense. But they did, but not just because of defense. They didn't just win because of this or just win because of that. They won on defense, special teams, turnovers, explosive plays, methodical drives, yeah. too many penalties. All of it. Too All many penalties, but... You you don't play perfect football. Nobody does, including Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, etc. That was as good of a feeling as you should have after a win in the three year or two years and five games that you've seen Mike Leach coach at State. Are we ready to say that Michigan is probably going to be eleven and zero going into their game against Ohio State? Feels like it. That October fifteenth game against Penn State that is in Ann Arbor will be legit. Maybe their game in the penultimate date of the regular season against Illinois is big. Maybe. Sports Talk Mississippi on the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. Who doesn't love Rick Astley? Amer- I'm not an American hero, but British hero? I mean, look, this is a good song for football in Mississippi, right? They're never going to let you down. Never. Yeah. I don't know about Did- all that. Didn't do it this weekend. A lot of fun in the Magnolia State. Southern Miss had the weekend off. 
And uh, they will get back to it against Troy this coming Saturday. Got to go on the road to face uh, Troy. That's going to be a big one for the uh, for the Golden Eagles. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. You want to be a part of the conversation? We'd love for you to join us on the Ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Again, 601-879-4395. Want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business backed by world-class IT experts who live right where you do. Where? Ceasefire Country. Right here. Check availability now at cspire.com slash business. We are coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, home of the Sportsbook at Timeout Lounge. You can visit them online at pearlriverresort.com. Let's do it, boys. It's time for the College Football Fix. Straight years as number one, except people don't get tired of the F-150. I mean, they get tired of Alabama, they get tired of Clemson, they get tired of Georgia. Nobody gets tired of the F-150. Best-selling truck in America for 43 straight years. 2023 F-150 starting to show up on lots. You can test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Start your search online at buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. Should we bounce around the SEC or should we look at the new top twenty-five, Michael Borky? Which do you prefer? Let's uh, let's start with some of the games that happened this weekend. All right, we've kicked some of these around a bit. Georgia twenty-six, Missouri twenty-two. At what point do you think on Saturday night, fans? Georgia uh, on Saturday night, that Georgia fans were like, "Wait, hold on now, this isn't going to happen, is it?" Do you think there was ever a point when Missouri was ahead 19 to 12 with 215 left in the third quarter? I mean, it's a one-score game there. And George is like, okay, we got this. But then Missouri hits the 56-yard field goal to go back up 10, and it's a two-score game in the fourth quarter. Is that the point where George was like, wait, hold on now. We we gotta we gotta get something going. Hmm. You know, it's easier said than done. But at some point, Drinkwitz needed to realize that field goals are not going to win this I mean, game, and was, you've got to go. You've got to score a touchdown at some had point. To check, had to take a chance somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, when you're I mean, taking twenty-two yard field goals, buddy, you're, you, it's the number one team in America. You've got a bad team. Go for it. What do you have to lose the game? You're going to lose the game anyway. At least that's what everybody told you. And that was up 13-3, to right? That could have been a huge swing. Okay, so 41-yard field goal to score first. Okay, fine. 49-yard field goal to make it a two, uh, you know, like a two-touchdown game, up 13 to nothing. Right. 22-yard field goal? Mmm, come on, probably need to probably need to go for it there. 52-yard field goal? Boom. 56-yard field goal? Okay. Yeah. Perhaps, perhaps Missouri fans going, that was a great game there, Mr. Uh, Mevis. Could we have had one of those last week? Please. In yeah. Auburn. On the yeah. road, that would have, that would have been nice. Mevis was five of five. Missouri is. Missouri's just a weird team. They're not good, but they keep 
staying in these games, but they got blown out by Kansas. I don't know what to make of Missouri. They're like a, a the first line. I thought they're like a ten point underdog to Florida this weekend. No idea which way to go with that. No idea. Yeah. Um, and Georgia back to back weird bad games. Are they, that means one of two things: either they're the the start of the season was a little a little too hot for them, and then they're settling back down, or they're going to pulverize Auburn into pace this weekend. One of the two. If you had to guess, I lean towards paste. Nearly 76,000 in Fayetteville. Alabama didn't make it fun early. They led 7 to nothing. They led 14 to nothing. They led 21 to nothing. And then it was 28 to nothing. Now, Arkansas did get on the board right before the half. Touchdown pass from K.J. Jefferson to make it 28-7. Then you get to the third quarter. It's 28-14. Okay. Field goal makes it 28-17. There's another one of those 22-yard field goals, by the way. Uh, Touchdown makes it 28-23. Arkansas has got the play sheet. What do they do? They know to go for two to try and make it a field goal game. Does not succeed, so it's a five-point game with 19 seconds left in the third quarter. It's a one-score game going into the fourth quarter. And then, boom, touchdown, touchdown. Arkansas kicks a field goal, another touchdown, and Bama covers. It was third you made the comment that... earlier about... Well, I was going to say, you made the, the comment earlier about State and how they, they ran so few plays. It was 28-23 Alabama. Eight plays later, it was 49-23 Alabama. <laughs> I mean, it was third and 15, and it turns into a 76-yard yeah. touchdown run. That, that That's the kind of Bumper stuff. Bumper pool. Yeah. Of all people, missed a tackle. I mean, if you, say, if you said, Brian, you got to put your life on one guy in the SEC making a tackle, Bumper Pool's really high up on the guys I'm going to pick. I understand why Nick Saban got all feisty with the media today. Although, his post-game, that was bizarre. So, the reporter, I don't know her name, said, you know, Coach, your quarterback, your Heisman Trophy winner goes down, but your team you know, fires back in the second half and, and wins this game going away. What does that say about the resiliency of your football team? And his response was, why do you got to ask about him? Why can't you talk about the football team that went on the field and won the game? It's like he only heard Bryce Young and not the rest of her question and snapped on her for not asking about his team when that's exactly what she did. It was mm-hmm. a very weird, like he just wanted to be mad at somebody was, kind of uh, thing. He he was snippy today at his press conference, too. He's loading up for rat poison here. He's he's ready to, to have his team focused and to, to destroy Texas A&M. It is very annoying when he gets mad at media people for asking him how the health of his Heisman Trophy what the health of his Heisman Trophy winning quarterback is. Well, you I saw a headline earlier that said I'm being sneaky. I didn't say that. You just write whatever you want. Their job is to ask you. They've got to answer to people too, Nick. And and their their people that they answer to are saying ask him about Bryce Young. If you don't you're going to be in trouble with me, and I don't give you $10 million a year. You get a lot less than that. I don't know. It's annoying. But the spin of, oh, it's just a little shoulder thing. It's fine. 
Why do why do people like buy that when we're talking about quarterbacks and their throwing shoulder? He wanted to come back in the game, but but couldn't because it hurt when he threw the football. And we're we're supposed to buy that. That's fine. Nah, no big deal. Not only does he have to use that shoulder to throw a football accurately with pace, because defenses are good and fast, even Texas A&M's. But it's a physical game. And there's a great chance that a 300-pound man is going to tackle him. Oh, that's fine. That's it. No big deal. That's fine. Day to day. No big deal. Does anybody buy that? No. Jalen Milrow, 6'2", 201-pound quarterback, comes into the game. Four-star out of Katy, Texas. Freshman, right? Redshirt freshman, yeah. Redshirt freshman. Yeah. And uh, he's fast. That's 77-yard run. He is run. quite good. Yeah. So so Milrow, in relief duty, goes 4 of 9 for 65 yards and a touchdown and runs it six times for 91 yards and a touchdown. Now... Tap the brakes just a second on, oh, wow, Bryce Young comes out, Milrow comes in, no drop-off. Hold on a second now. All right. Bryce Young's really good. He's really good. Jameer Gibbs is what's making this Alabama offense go right now. Jeff Collins could figure out a way to hold on to Jameer Gibbs. Maybe he's still got his job at Georgia Tech. I don't know. I mean, if, he, if he's still got Jameer Gibbs on the offensive side and Jared Ivey on the defensive side, they're better. The two best running backs in the SEC are transfers, Gibbs and Evans. Yeah. Gibbs goes 18 for 206 with two touchdowns, including a 76-yard run and averaged 11.5 yards per carry. And, oh, by the way, JoJo Earl back now for Alabama. He had a catch and a touchdown in the game. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. That's your college football fix. Sports talk in the state. It's the best thing. Say that again. We the best on three. One, two, three. We the best. Sports talk Mississippi. Super talk Mississippi. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi. Long message here on the ceasefire text line, but somebody took the time to type it, so I'll read it and I'll respond. Richard, no, you said this several segments ago, but I still need to say this. Not everyone has your luck and money. By the way, the money thing is a joke that Brian Haydad has perpetuated over and over and over, but nevertheless, we don't all get paid to go to games. Some of us work very hard for our money and have to live the best we can in this economy. Lane Kiffin just called out his fan base for not coming to the games, and you call out Mississippi State fans a week later is very hypocritical on your part. Like I said, I work hard for my money and can't afford to go to all the games, but I was there Saturday. I thought it was a great atmosphere, and the ones that were there were very loud, and it was great. I love your show. Been a loyal listener from the beginning of the show. I'm done ranting and will continue to listen, but just think you should do better. So... We've talked a lot about attendance and fans having the ability to choose and the choice. Michael Borky has been adamant about not fan shaming, and I agree with that. I'm never going to say anything about a non-conference game, right? 
it's expensive to go. Sometimes it's hard to get there. There's a lot that goes into it. It's usually hot. They're usually early in the season. Sometimes it's bad kickoff. There are a lot of reasons not to go to non-conference games, and I understand that. But Ole Miss and Mississippi State play in the SEC. And Ole Miss and Mississippi State fans expect Ole Miss and Mississippi State to compete in the SEC and to compete at a high level in the SEC. And if you want all of those things, and by the way, good for you for going. And I agree, what I watched of Saturday's game with Mississippi State, I thought the crowd that was there looked great. And I know people have got a million things going on. I've got three kids. I promise I understand going in a million different directions, trying to keep up, and it's like you wake up and you're, what day is it? But at some point, when you have a good football team that is winning and you want to see them continue to win and you've got big games and you play in the SEC, you got to fill it up. All of those things that I just said were true for Ole Miss this past weekend, right? People have got stuff going on, million different directions, 11 a.m. click kickoff, et cetera, et cetera. Filled it up against Kentucky. It was a huge game. top 15 matchup. Mississippi State is now ranked for the first time this season. They're off to a 4-1 and one start. They just played the most complete game they have played maybe in Mike Leach's tenure, and they've got a huge game coming up against Arkansas this weekend. It's an 11 a.m. kickoff. I get it. It's a little early. State's got to fill it up this weekend. And when I say fill it up, I don't mean there has to be a rear end at every single seat in the stadium. Talking with somebody today who was there, they're like, man, the east side upper deck, it was just like scattered people. It was 10,000 shy of capacity. Arkansas is probably not bringing seven or 8,000 fans. They'll probably bring three or 4,000. And so that makes it harder to fill it up. I, I understand all those things. But this is a game where Mississippi State needs 58, 59, 60,000 fans in the stadium. Teams kind of earned that. So please don't take what I was saying earlier as talking down or anything else. wasn't trying to do that. point was just, you know, you got to fill it up. Just got to. Yeah. Yeah. Three SEC games remaining. They're all big. You know, if you, I, and like the average, like I feel like a lot of times people hear that and we think we're talking about some guy who doesn't have season tickets. I just feel like if you buy season tickets, you've already made a, a good chunk of the commitment. Come on. You bought the tickets, use them. I promise you, if Mississippi State has 30,000 people in the stands for their game against East Tennessee State on November the 19th, I'm not going to say a word about it. Well, we didn't I, mention the Bowling Green thing, and because why no, would we? Yeah. No. Because who cares? Yeah. All right. You want to be a part of the conversation? You can uh, join us on the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Somebody says, now why don't you ever read my text? What did I do for you to hate me, RC? Don't hate you. Jason and Leak C- uh-huh. County? Not at all. Not in the least. Keep the text coming. 
People says incentivize going to games and people will go. What's the incentive? The product on TV is better than the product in person. Well, the incentive now for Mississippi State fans is your team's winning. You're four and one. You're ranked in the top twenty-five, and you got a winnable game with Arkansas coming in on Saturday. Yeah. Team needs your help. I agree with that statement when it's Bowling Green and Tulsa. That I agree with that statement. The, the Turning off the Bowling Green game and going about your day was probably really nice considering what kind of a game that was. I don't agree with that when it's games like this. The at-home product cannot replicate what happened this weekend. There, There is nothing that anybody watching from home did better than watching those wins in person. I know there's bathroom lines. Apparently in Oxford they ran out of beer, but there's a surprise. Um... <laughs> I have a friend that missed an entire quarter waiting in concession lines. I guess maybe it's just par for the course. But um, aside from that, being in your stadium to watch those wins cannot be replicated at home. Can't happen. Yeah, I agree. I had a friend who came to the game this weekend who hadn't been in a couple, I think, in a couple of years, and he's just like, it's just, it's just so much better. Especially you know, when you win, obviously, you, you make the the commitment, you drive, and your team loses. Nobody wants that. But when you're there for those big wins, it's it's just something you can't replicate being on the couch. Exactly right. New top twenty-five is out. I mentioned just a second ago, Mississippi State is in it. Alabama back to number one after, what, a three-week absence after Georgia kind of played with their food against Missouri. So Bama one, Georgia two, Ohio State three. They get ten first-place votes. Then Michigan at four and Clemson at five. I don't think there's any real argument with that top five. Southern Cal at six. When you look at SC's schedule, they've got Washington State at home this week. Their big test comes on October 15th when they go to Utah. Then they go to Arizona and have Cal, and they have Colorado that just fired their coach. They go to UCLA, the Rose Bowl, in the next to last week of the regular season and host Notre Dame to, to, to finish it out. I don't think Southern Cal is going undefeated. It's a pretty manageable schedule for them, though. Oklahoma State at 7. Tennessee at eight. Things are about to get interesting for Tennessee, right? What an opportunity for them, though. I mean, they got the week off, and now 11 a.m. in Tiger Stadium. That won't be full. I don't care. It won't. So you're not going to get that packed-to-the-gills Tiger Stadium. What a break that is. At LSU this week and then home for Alabama. Is that going to be a zoo on October 15th? You know it. Wow. That, that's, that was, that's one I would, I would love to be at. Look, there, there, are like, Martin. there are three circle on, or four circle on the schedule games the rest of the way for Tennessee. At LSU this week, yeah. Alabama at home the following week, Kentucky at home on October 29th, at Georgia on November 5th. Two and two is probably going to happen. It's can they find a way to be three and one? And if they go two and two in those four, they're going ten and two this year. Ten and two, ten and two, Sugar Bowl, Orange Bowl, something like that. After Tennessee, you got Ole Miss at nine. 
up five spots from last week. Penn State is 10. Utah is 11. Oregon, 12. Kentucky drops from 7 to 13 after their loss. NC State, after losing to Clemson, drops four spots from 10 to 14. Wake Forest makes a big jump after the win at Florida State. They go from 22 to 15. BYU is up three spots from six uh, from 19 to 16 after beating Utah State on Friday night. I think it was Friday night. TCU into the poll for the first time this year at 17. UCLA into the poll for the first time this week uh, this year at 18. Kansas into the poll for the first time since 2009 at 19 and hosting game day this week. Kansas State moves up five spots from 25 to 20. Washington drops to 21. Syracuse makes their debut in the poll. Syracuse now 5-0. Mississippi State makes its debut in the poll this year at 4-1. Cincinnati, after not being ranked, climbs back into the top 25. They are now number 24, and they host South Florida this week. And LSU, after the win at Auburn, is number 25. Any huge argument in that top 25 from the AP? Nah. I think this is a pretty good top 25 right now. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be back with you after this. Sports Talk. Sports Talk Mississippi. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Remember, Nebraska played in week zero. So it was three games in, but it was following week two of the regular season that Scott Frost was fired. After week three, Herm Edwards was fired. After week four, Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech was fired. After week five, add two more to the list. Carl Durrell is out at Colorado. They are brutal. Putrid. And Paul Christ is out at Wisconsin. Paul Christ's record at Wisconsin makes it really hard to go, you need to fire that guy. And yet, Wisconsin decided that it was time to do that. Listen to what Paul Christ did as head coach at Wisconsin. Starting in 2015, 10-3, and 11-3 with a Cotton Bowl win. By the way, 10-3 with a Holiday Bowl win, 11-3 with a Cotton Bowl win, 13-1 with an Orange Bowl win, 8-5, and took a step back in 2015 with a win in the Pinstripe Bowl. 2019, they went 10-4, and went to the Rose Bowl and lost. 2020, the COVID season, they went 4-3 and and won the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. Last year, 9-4 and four, won the Las Vegas Bowl. 67-26 and 26 
43 and 18 in Big Ten play. Two access bowls in nine seasons and two trips to the conference championship game. And he was fired. They have regressed over the last year. Mid season. Yeah. I mean, I, I, if you want to, you know, evaluate at the end of the year, that's fine. But that guy's record earns him to finish out the season, I think. He did get embarrassed at home by Brett Bielema. I'm sure that sparked a little that, bit of spe- a special kind of outrage. What, what's bizarre is the, the line of thinking that Jim Leonard, the defensive coordinator, played at Wisconsin. Five foot eight safety that spent a lot of time in the NFL, uh, so you know he was a great player. Um, that that they want inside apparently they want him to get the job. So it, it, that that's bizarre to me. If they were going to make this firing now, considering the record, when I first saw that, I thought, okay, they're kind of sick of where they are. Good. Never great. Competitive. Interesting sometimes. But their ceiling is making it to the Rose Bowl. That they're going to try to go unconventional. Somebody that's a little bit more exciting. To try to attract better players in a better system. To go beat Ohio State. And go to a championship. And so in my in my mind I thought, oh, alright. I, I respect that Wisconsin. You're good, but you're not satisfied with good. You want to be great. I hear you. But then, well, they might just promote the interim to head coach, the Wisconsin guy. That just feels like a waste of a lot of money if you're going to do that. And if you're going to do that, why do it now? I just found it. Like, you really going to give a guy a trial run on a bad team and that's like his audition? The, the, the whole thing is odd when, if you believe the reporting, he's not only has a chance to win the job, but there's a lot of support to give him the job. You know, when you're talking about Paul Christ, you're talking about one of their own as well. Born yeah. in Madison, Wisconsin. Quarterback at Wisconsin from 86 to 88. His assistant coaching career took him a bunch of places. West Virginia, San Antonio Riders, whatever that is. Wisconsin, Platteville, Ottawa Rough Riders in the CFL, Illinois State, back to the CFL with Saskatchewan. Then he's at Oregon State, and then in the NFL with San Diego, and then at Wisconsin, and then he's at Oregon State, and then back to Wisconsin, spent some time at Pittsburgh, and now back to Wisconsin again. Three Big Ten West Division titles and two-time Big Ten Coach of the Year. That's got to be a difficult decision I would think, to to oust him. But the expectations are really high at Wisconsin. Here's the one that I have more trouble understanding. I thought Colorado made a bad hire when they hired Carl Durrell. He was very average at UCLA. He was the head coach at UCLA from 2003 to 2007. Had not been a head coach in 13 years and then Colorado says, hey, come be our head coach. And, I mean, part of that is Mel Tucker left so late in the process. Right. That's right. To take the Michigan State job. that You don't have a lot of options there. That's almost where I'm just like, go interim. 
go enter them for a year and then do a real search at the end of it. I, 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 I bringing in a guy like Darrell who hadn't, who couldn't win at UCLA. What did you expect? So that's a hard job, right? Rick George is the athletics director there. He got that job in 2013. He hired Mike McIntyre in 2016, and then McIntyre was fired. There's some questionable off-the-field stuff. And, you know, what did he know? What did he not know? What was covered up? There was some pressure to move on. And... Then he hires Mel Tucker, and it feels like it's moving in the right direction. And he's gone after a short amount of time. And then it's Carl Durrell. Rick George, by the way, at one point was in the running for an athletics director job at Ole Miss. I remember when he worked with the Texas Rangers. I think it's when Ross Bjork was hired. There was some talk about Rick George being the AD. How about those (laughs) options? (laughs) Jeez. You get to stab so, me in the left leg or the right leg. Yeah, well, and it kind of it kind of begs the question of does this AD get to hire the next coach? Yes. That's the, the, the with this Auburn deal. That's the thing here. I mean, you you've got articles just flying everywhere, candidate lists and on threes hearing the same thing that Feinbaum's hearing, which I mean, give me a break. Um Who's making the hire? Who is? So it sounds like Auburn's going to hire an AD first and then hire the, the head so coach. So when does that happen? I don't know. I mean, so I mean, there's all this stuff going on, and then and then what kind of AD is it going to be? Is it going to be one that is able to tell boosters, "Let me do my job. That's what you're hiring me for," or is he going to be the yes man that signs off on whatever the Yellowwood guy wants? Which we can only hope, but. You've got all these people again on three, which is supposed to be a legitimate site. Um, Paul Feinbaum used the phrase "Kiffin might be in the transfer portal too." And on threes, we're hearing the same thing that Paul's hearing. How, how could you possibly write that right now? How could you do that? But they do. This whole Auburn thing's a mess. They don't even have an AD yet, and you've already got. And I'm here. I can. I'm hearing what Paul Feinbaum's hearing too. No, you're not. Today's the third of October, and and like the bigger picture, even than than what you're talking about there, Borky. It's the third of October, and we've had coaches fired at Nebraska, Arizona State, Georgia Tech, Colorado, and Wisconsin. And everybody in America thinks Auburn is going to be part of the list as well. And who knows how many others? And the buyout money is just insane. Or you've got this in the notes that the total buyouts paid this year are believed to be about $67 million. That's with five coaches. Nineteen and a half million owed to Paul Christ. Scott Frost was owed fifteen million. Carl Durrell eleven point four. Jeff Collins eleven point three. Herm Edwards eight. I'd probably put an asterisk next to Herm Edwards 
because I wonder if Arkansas or Arizona State will try to get out of paying that because of the NCAA stuff that's going on there. Who knows? We'll see. Probably will successfully, too, if they try. And that's after $94 million was paid out in coach buyouts last year. I had a buddy text me, that $67 million that has been paid out so far this season is two-thirds of what Texas A&M would have to pay Jimbo to go away. You <laughs> 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 uh, might be paying $12 a gallon for gas, guys. It's just got to have to be that way. How do you think the, the, those people feel? when they it, that, That's the thing that's just, that boggles my mind is, is how much money they are spending on football to watch that investment get so dramatically outcoached. These are rich oil guys, I get it, but even rich people hate watching their money go to waste. They do. They do. Absolutely they do. And it's money that they feel like is being wasted on coaches, and you wonder if they feel like it's money being wasted in the NIL game. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports. Sports. On your radio and in the game. Super Talk Mississippi. Today we got the kickoff times for the games that are being played on October 15th. If you like that 11 o'clock ESPN time slot and you're an Ole Miss fan, congratulations. You get to you get to do it all over again after uh, playing Kentucky y'all. at 11 on ESPN. It's Ole Miss and Auburn at 11 on ESPN. 2.30 on the SEC Network, Vanderbilt and Georgia. 2.30 on CBS, Alabama and Tennessee. 6 o'clock on ESPN, LSU at Florida. 2.30 on either ABC or ESPN, Arkansas at BYU. And then 6.30 on Saturday night on the SEC Network, Mississippi State at Kentucky. You just got to get used to the 11 a.m.s. Uh, you just you, you yeah, got to. Gonna happen. It sucks, but it, it's just I haven't seen the ratings. Alabama yet. and Alabama won't be at two, uh, 11 a.m. And, and obviously Mississippi State's not. So yeah, yeah. And it's a shame, though. I mean, it does take away from the environment, but looked and sounded like an incredible one I on bet, Saturday. So yeah. I bet you know State. What, I bet State Auburn is a. Uh, 11 a.m. game, too, when that time comes. Could very well be. I think. But if you can be 7 and 2 playing Georgia, that's, that's probably a night game. Well, actually, actually, that's where I was headed. November 12th. I think November 12th is the doubleheader day on CBS where they have an 11 a.m. game and a 2.30 game. You know, they get the one doubleheader where it's 2.30 oh, and no. 7. I think that is 11 and 2.30, and if that is the case, you may get a CBS doubleheader in the state of Mississippi with Georgia-Mississippi State at 11 and Ole Miss-Alabama at 2.30. But the way that picks is CBS goes and then ESPN goes and they'll pick their night game. 
they're not going to let both Alabama and Georgia I, go to CBS. I don't, I don't know that that's accurate. I, that's I what happened this week coming up, because that's why they picked, what's the 230 game? It's Georgia-Auburn, right? So the first pick was the night game, the Alabama A&M game. CBS right. gets that. That's why LSU-Tennessee is at 11, because they had the next pick, and their pick was for that 11 a.m. slot. So they would rather have LSU-Tennessee than have Georgia-Auburn. The third pick is Georgia-Auburn. That's what. That's how it, ESPN gets second pick. I'm not sure they do on those doubleheader days. They did this week? What, how do you know they didn't pick Georgia-Auburn for the second game of their doubleheader? Instead of LSU-Tennessee. Come on. I mean, I saw it on Twitter. Maybe I uh, go, the Internet is full of lies, but people were saying it on Twitter like LSU was the second pick. I will, uh, I'll do some checking on that and see if I can get verification right. one way or the other on that. I think I can get a... You, you uh, should know some people who, who know the answers to that. Yeah, yeah I, I can get an actual answer on that. So we will uh, we'll work on that as well. Um, so, yeah, we'll see, right? I mean, if indeed that November 12th date, and I think it is, is the doubleheader day for, for CBS where one of them kicks off at 11, I mean, the options are... I mean, I, I feel pretty confident that Alabama at Ole Miss is going to be in that 2.30 time slot. I mean, there's a lot that could happen between now and then that might affect that. But assuming things don't go off the rails between now and then for Ole Miss, then that's probably the 2.30 game on November 12th. You got Arkansas, LSU. That's another one that could be attractive to ESPN in either an 11 o'clock slot or a 6 p.m. slot. Auburn, Texas A&M. Florida, South Carolina. I mean, there's some options that day. There's games, yeah. But, you know, but there's got to be a 3 p.m. SEC Network game. There's got to be an 11 a.m. SEC Network game. Yeah, but those get picked so. at the end. Right. But, I mean, the, 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 but all the options are good conference games. Yeah. No, it is it's uh, it is one of those days where the schedule is really, really good. Pretty good this weekend also. Alabama, Texas A&M. Arkansas at Mississippi State. Auburn at Georgia. Florida hosting Missouri, Kentucky and South Carolina in Lexington. First, a back-to-back 6.30 Central, 7.30 Eastern night kicks in Lexington. And, hey, Dad, I I couldn't help but think about when when State got announced for that October 15th game, about that two-game window where Kentucky had back-to-back home night games a year ago when they had Florida and LSU, Mm -hmm. and that's going to be a tough environment for Mississippi State. Yeah, luckily Ole Miss knocking off Kentucky sort of derails them just a touch because if they had been undefeated coming into that, Mm -hmm. that would have been a really tough atmosphere for Mississippi State. Yeah. LSU-Tennessee this week, Ole Miss at Vanderbilt. And that's all of them. It's a good week in the SEC. 14 teams, seven SEC games coming up this Saturday. Thanks for being with us. Fun Recap Monday. We'll do it again tomorrow starting just after 3 o'clock. For Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Good night.
Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services A Super Talk Mississippi media production.